Welcome back, welcome back. This is Life with Uni V Soul. I'm gonna keep this intro short, this one. Because I've known this person for a long time. So I'm gonna keep the intro short. Does it make sense? Probably not, but I really want you to enjoy this one. We're still on uh, women's empowerment. Well, it's not really women's empowerment. It's just showing powerful women on all aspects of life. So my next guest is somebody I know, I mean, I had to be a teenager. I met her through my cousin, good people. She went on to do amazing things at Rutgers and uh, now she's doing women's um, roller derby and uh, doing big things at J&J. Um, you know, just moving around, you know, being, being a, I, I would say like a role model to, to other younger women, you know, that might see her along the path. She has a story and we gonna listen to her story. It's my homegirl, Renee. So all the young ladies out there, I brought you something special, something positive. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go, check it out. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, yeah, yeah my fault. I had to take a little bit extra time, it's like, um. My daughters are running crazy over here a little bit. You <laughs> it's know? Nice outside. Yeah. Oh, no, no, they're, 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 no, they're running crazy inside. Oh. <laughs> so I had oh, to get my... <laughs> yeah. All right. You, you know, I always wanted to ask you, like, I met your sister. Do you guys got any other siblings? Just you, just you and your sister? Uh, no, there's um, myself. Now, which sister did you meet? You met Ashley? Yeah, I think it's Ashley, your younger sister. She came to one of the shows. She... You brought her to one of the shows. Yeah, okay, yeah. It probably was her. Um, there's Christina, uh, who's uh, the youngest out of all of us. And there's Evan. He's the second between um, so, Ashley and Christina. Yeah. Uh, oh, so three three girls and, and a boy? Yes, from my mom. My mom's side. I have a Whoa. bunch of stepbrothers and sisters. So what about in your house? What about in your house? Who grew up in the house? How many girls? How many guys? Was it a packed house? I mean, you know, we're cycling through different ages because I'm the oldest. I'm 14 years apart from Ashley. So um, for me, it wasn't a packed house, but for her, definitely. And for Christina and Evan, um, they they had the opportunity to really kind of spend more time with the rest of the, the siblings. Uh, you you kind of grew up like a like an only child then. In a way, in a sense, yeah. Um, and then Ashley came along and brightened my days. And then, you know, my mom got married, and I had twelve other siblings. So, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I I never knew that. I you know when even when um I you brought your sister. I I think it is at that. Even when you brought her to the to the show, I was like, oh, I didn't know that she had. Uh, had sisters. <laughs> um, yeah, we we rolling deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yo. Speaking, you know what? But yo, speaking of rolling deep too, what's the name too? What, what's up with that? Uh, the roller derby thing. Oh yeah. So I had an injury. Um, okay. I fell backwards um, and hit my head, and I decided to continue to play. And a couple oh, of days God. later, I couldn't move my head, so. I decided to take a break from roller derby for a little while, which was like a two-year break. And then I went back um, because I was um, going to go back to referee again. 
And because I was down for so long as far as trying to recover from my injury, um, everything that I had worked on so hard kind of fell off. So, yeah. you know, I needed to make sure that I refocused getting back on track. Um, and that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm, you know, when, you're, when your muscles begin to atrophy, that's a problem. So... Um, I had to work really hard to get movement back on um, parts of my body. So really happy that I was able to do that. You know, definitely no one hey, can like that for, for granted. You you have to be to be older doing it now because you're saying actually so that obviously it's like that happens as you're getting older. But for you to um, want to do it, you have to be really passionate about roller derby. I love that sport, um, and there are so many reasons as to why I love it. So, first of all, the general camaraderie, all, like, in regards to the team, in regards to the refs, the culture, uh, it's awesome. Um, I am a very active person by nature. I've been, As I grew up over the years, I played various sports. So when I was introduced to roller derby, um, and I was like, oh, we're, we're roller skating on quads? This is happening? And people are kind of playing, like, tag, if you would. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, I'm in, right? So I was all about it. And, you know, it's really imp- – it's, a, it's a, a sport that many at some point in time thought was more of – um a trick sport, if you would, uh, kind mm-hmm. of gloss and glamour. Uh, but that's not the case. It's, it's, it's extremely, um, uh, extremely uh, interactive. Um, you know, you have to speak to each other or you will um, – you will likely lose the game. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you have to have open communication with one another, like, not, and not even just on the track itself, but also off the track. Um, you spend a good majority of your life with these people, um, building that kind of camaraderie, because uh, it's a highly physical sport, you know. So, just picture kind of football, if you would, or rugby, probably a better analogy on skates. Well, look at, but you know, and this is the thing that, yo, once I found out that you were doing that, see, another surprise because, yo, you, you think roller derby was like at its height, like at the 90s. I remember this thing being on TV and then being like, wow, these, yo, they're, they're really tearing each other up. They're rolling around the track. And then the next time I hear about it, it's like years later, years later, and you're sending an invite for a roller derby thing. And I'm like, yo, I didn't even know, I, 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 I even thought it was like a bad thing because it was like, it was something that was on TV. I had no idea that people were actually doing it and that it was a real thing outside of TV. And You know, truth be told, my first interaction with roller derby was seeing people skate in a YMCA um, old hockey rink. So um, I was educated as I, you know, kind of got into the team where roller derby started, you know, bank track versus flat track. You know where it, it has come to to hit today, um, and it's just amazing. And I love the fact that you see the adoption or have seen the adoption of roller derby over the course of like really the past three or four years. 
Are you serious? Um, the media, yeah, in the no media, way. in the news, on ESPN, across the globe, it's amazing. So, so hold I, on. I have a, yeah. No, I, I was just going to ask you. So, because you're saying it's just now, it, it, like this is not. It's like a. Re, it's, it has to be like a, a resurgence of it. it, or they're treating it like it's a, like a new thing. No, it is a resurgence of it, right? But I think the level of popularity and um, integration into, um, you know, social components throughout the world is different, mm. right? So I think um, from, if memory serves correct, much of activities in roller derby spaces were, like, in Texas or California um, and some areas uh, within New York State um, years ago. Uh, but now, I mean, you can go to England or you know, different places, and there's likely someone who plays roller derby there, either male or female or, you know, however they identify. So, lots of sport. Um, and, again, it's it's more of the fact that it's looked at now as an Olympic sport. Um, Get out of here. And the way that, it, yeah, where it's being highlighted is amazing. And I, and I, I cheer – because it has a component of empowerment um, and really a, a strong component of empowerment, in my opinion, for women. So um, I, I love that aspect as well. Why do you say, what do you, what do you mean, the whole part of, like, when you say powerful component, the whole part of, like, you guys beating each other up? <laughs> no, it's the, it's the, that's a great question, though. But um, <laughs> it's more of, again, that building of strength and connecting with one another on another level to achieve a goal, you know. And uh, I've seen where that may not always be the case, especially if they are comprised of a lot of like-minded individuals. So. Um, to share that with a group of strong individuals across the board um, is is a wonderful thing, um, and it's really around being able to you know understand why you're together, understand the goal you're trying to reach, and having fun at the same time. Because it's not always business, right? Sports are sports, and you know you, there's always a win, um, but you know you want to make sure you're cheering on. Um, others and, and remembering, like, okay, so this is this is something great. Uh, maybe we didn't get the win today. Where's our opportunity to perhaps perhaps get the win tomorrow or the next, you know, the next jam or you know, yeah. the next game? So, what? How how do how does one recruit somebody for roller derby? They just walk down the street like, yo, you look like you could tear something up. You want to join us? So I think it differs um, for different teams. Uh, generally, there's a social component to the recruitment of roller derby where individuals are, you know, either hosting a fair or they have some kind of presence online. You know, Facebook uh, is awesome for that. So, okay. yeah, so connections between friends, so word of mouth, um, so it really depends on the team. So uh, for the East Coast, um, I I will use um, Gotham uh, as an example. They are in, based in New York, and they are well-known. And if and should an individual be interested in joining, you know, Gotham, I mean, 
mean, they're a level of skill that you definitely need to have because they are probably at a top tier echelon of roller derby, right? Mm. Um, they are not a rec league, which I'll talk about in a minute, but um, it's, imp- <laughs> you know, they, you know them, you, you know the name. So it's just like, okay, I- I'm just going to check out their website and see, you know, how I get recruited or how I can join or where there's a meet and greet if that's something that they offer versus maybe like a rec league where um, rec leagues may have to expel some additional effort. And there are some rec leagues within New Jersey um, where they try to go out into the public, go to like different fairs, um, you know, within their respective uh, county to recruit individuals. Um, But the premise of the entire game is the same, right? It's just perhaps the level of expertise. Um, Mm -hmm. And if they are um, going through, you know, the motions of really getting out there and and uh, bouting uh, various teams throughout, you know, the state or the world. Um, right, hold on. So, country. so when you're saying what, really getting out there, this this one in uh, Gotham, what, they're like a national or they're an international team? They go around the world playing? Yeah, they're international. They are known internationally. They play internationally. Um, so they, they make salaries? or Like, how does that work? They're sponsored people? Like, that's a great question. Um, that part I'm not really familiar with um, in their model. Um, I can speak to uh, former experience on, uh, as being on a rec league um, where much of the monies that we were raising were based upon dues. Um, uh, I don't believe we had core sponsorship. Every now and then we would, you know, gain advertisement for when we were playing a game, but much of the the monies that were, um, you know, gained in the in the rec league are based upon dues, and the people who are coming to enjoy the sport, um, you know, voluntarily, if you would, for lack of better yeah, terms. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they know what they're they're getting. I, they know what they're getting into. I, I would hope. I mean, I could. I couldn't imagine somebody just comes in and blind and like, oh yeah, you guys are roller skating. I want to join in, you know, because uh, <laughs> roller derby is rough. Yeah, it's definitely um, above and beyond, regardless of wreck or not, uh, beyond just roller skating. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> so when I when I first saw it, I was like, ooh, you know, how I be in the roller rink chilling and listening to all the hip hop back in the day you know, in East Town, New Jersey, and I was like, yeah, and it was like, no, that's not what we're doing here. Like, so okay. you were, hold on, so you were, you were like, I mean, you were really, when you got into it, you were, you really had no idea about what it was? Like, you never saw that on TV? No, I, I personally had not seen it on TV prior to my entering and signing up. Um, I had a general idea that, <laughs> Yeah. I had a general idea what was happening and going on, you know, because they were they had helmets and they were padded up and right, right, know, watching right. the practice. I had a general idea, but no, I I knew nothing. I'm kind of daring that way. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, yo, this is some this is something that I used to watch. Like I used to watch this thing religiously. So like, yo, when you when you like sent out an invite and you said that you were doing, I was like, wow, yo, she's pretty badass, yo, because. <laughs> I know how they get down. Like, I mean, just like, but you know, like, TV wise, 
So I'm like, yo, I, you know, like how you said, whether it's rec league or, you know, whatever kind of league, I still know that, you know, you got to rough some people up, yo, you know? Um, and I just, and I'm, and I'm picturing you, you know, and your demeanor <laughs> and, and trying to figure out how does that work on the, do, do you rough people up or are you kind of like, no, just, you know, are you like a speed person? You go fast, fast people, or, you know, are you knocking people into walls, you know, yanking them up or what? Yeah, so just imagine that conversation at work, in the workplace. So, oh. um, <laughs> so um, I, I was always a blocker. Um, to, so to your question, um, speed and agility are key uh, in the sport. Um, and if you have both, uh, you make probably a hell of a jammer. Um, that was not my world. I had somewhat speed. Um, but not the endurance around the speed. Um, so it was best served for me to use my, um, you know, I'm going to say it, my weight and, and my, my, my stance and being able to hold my core solid enough so when someone tried to move me, it was like trying to move freaking brick wall. So, and that helped, obviously, that's going to help defensively when, um, or offensively, depending on you know, what we're doing and the play that we're trying to maneuver out there. So I left the jamming to people who were quick and had the endurance um, and didn't really mind getting flung literally across the room yeah. um, or the track, I should say, because uh, <laughs> that, you know, you're trying to take a jammer out ideally um, so they don't accrue points. So, um, yeah, no. I was the person taking them out, and I knew how hard I hit. <laughs> so then if, if you're the person taking them out, so then what, what – how did the – like, if going back, like, how did the injury happen where you hit your head? Like, yeah. I mean, do, do you know what happened? Or, I mean, do you – Oh, even... yeah. I remember it as if it were yesterday. So it was a foolish uh, mistake on my part in practice, actually. Oh, um, no. And we were – we were doing some strategy moves, and um, I actually went to go block somebody and um, just slipped, fell backwards, and I got back up. I was like, ah, oh, shake it off, because that's kind of the mindset in a way. Yeah. Somewhat yeah. like football players, right? You're like, oh, if I can get up and walk, I'm good, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. if I was like, I can get up and I can skate and I don't feel any pain, I'm good. So that's what I did, and I, I I don't think that was the best maneuver. Luckily, um, there was nothing too major. Um, it was it just ended up being um, a slip disc, a misplaced disc in my um, cervi cervical spine. So, wow. yeah, um, I'm okay with that. Um, granted, there's gonna be some more arthritis there later in life, but there have been worse injuries that people haven't come back from. So I'm forever grateful. Is, is that one of your, your worst injuries? Cause I, you, you said that you have, you have like, I guess you, you've been on a lot, doing a lot of sports, been athletic, right? Is that like the yeah. worst injury you've sustained? To me? Yes. Um, I'm pretty accident prone, so I don't understand why I continue to do sports, but I just do. So, <laughs> so uh, I, I, I had my meniscus torn, which is still torn as a result of, like, 
trying to block somebody and I just overextended my knee. So that was painful. Oh my gosh. That was excruciating, excruciating pain. And of course, once again, Renee's like, just keep skating. Um, Oh my God. You're you're like a gun for punishment. I kind of am. That's what my mom says. But when I had my neck injury, she was like, listen, she doesn't really, you know, say to me as a grown individual, you need to stop, right? She's like, you can learn kind of attitude. But that was the one time when I told her what happened. She was like, can you just please stop playing, please? Mm. And I'm like, she's like, just, and I was like, sure, mom. You know, I, I, it kind of spooked me too. So I will take off <laughs> time off. Yeah, because it could be one of those things. It could be you might not walk again, man. Yeah, so now I'm doing crew um, with, <laughs> with my company, so I'm on the crew team. So what's crew? Is that like, is that a curbing? Is that the same thing? No, crew is rowing the boats out oh, in the rare can. Okay. <laughs> that, that sounds safe. That sounds safe. Well, if you don't know how to swim, not so safe. And the raritan is gross. So yeah. <laughs> if you fall in, I don't know, it might be questionable. <laughs> is it is it competition or no? That's just like a, a team thing. Um, there is competition. And um, we are, you know, just a, a – I use the term rec because we're not like a professional league or team. So – um, we race against one another, and then sometimes we race against other, like, crew teams, um, whether it be, like, college or other businesses. But it's nothing, you know, like, oh. So. so but I like being in the water. Yeah? Yeah, I love the water. Even if it's the rarity. Even if it's the rarity, <laughs> apparently, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, and it smells nice during the summer. Well, I'm gonna find out because um, generally when we were practicing, because uh, I had started up late, it was closer to fall. Yeah. Um. So we're about to start up practice actually this month, the end of this month. So I'm gonna find out how awesome it smells. <laughs> is, it, is that the same as the the road? Are you in the same type of boat, like a guinea joint, or? Yeah, the same kind. Um, we use um, Rucker's crew boats. Okay. Oh, uh, is that the part of your the fraternity? The, what is it? The sorority you're part of, right? Oh, it's a co-ed organization, Gamma Sigma. Oh, is that is that the the thing? I mean, no, you just have you guys just have access to Rucker's because uh, you know you're Rucker's alum. No, we have access to Rutgers because J&J um, pays money to have access to their that, that space. Um, and we are closely partnered with uh, Rutgers and Robert Wood. Oh, so you think we, you're, I guess, I guess you're Johnson & Johnson. Yes, I, Renee Evans, am Johnson & Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> you are the face. You are the person behind the Johnson Johnson. <laughs> Yeah, way behind, but I am. I am like many other. <laughs> you know, sometimes my face pops up, but. <laughs> really? Doing what? Well, Are you doing marketing? Well, yeah, it's so funny. So, you know, our company is awesome. Um, and I, I don't just say that because, you know, I, I want 
props for that, but they are a very inclusive and diverse company, and they are trying to in that respect, and they truly do honor the work that their employees do. Um, so I have been awarded throughout my 15 years wow. at being a and j on numerous occasions with different levels of awards, and it's just accolades, and for, I'm forever grateful um, for, you know. If you don't mind me asking, like, what do you do there? Sure. What do you, what do, you do there if you don't? So you know, it's a long-winded title of what I do. Oh, uh, um, like something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, sure. So you put the lotion my, in the bottles. The lotion involves no. I don't do that part. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I focus in the space of supply chain, um, and my key focus is in the area of learning and development. So I am building many of the training programs, platforms, um, professional development opportunities and offerings for our organization. And, and you for employees? For our employees. And I specifically support um, North America. So for our, our little part of the organization, because it's huge. So we have about um, – I think it's 80,000 employees worldwide. Right now, I support 1,500 of them. Wow. Um, so uh, that gives you kind of a, a visualization of the, the the magnitude, yet the smaller portion of the organization that I support from an employee-based perspective. But it, it seems like something that if, if it's uh, your mode uh, as far as in regards that you just from your description about athletics and how you are with the whole like roller derby and what you're doing now in crew and how you saying you support them. It's like about being a team player. You know what I'm saying? You seem like somebody that's very into being a team player. Where so you know there's individuals that work well by themselves, but like that that seems like a a, a, a ma- without even saying it, just by talking to you or listening to you, it sounds like that's a major component for you, uh, like team. You know, teamwork. Yeah, it, it's a major component in general, um, but definitely for me because the work I do requires me to, you know, gain buy-in from a lot of leaders throughout the organization um, and mm. also extend my reach um, far beyond local. So I work with business partners at the enterprise level mm. and to gain, you know, benchmark, gain insights, how, where are we? Potentially leveraging opportunities that they have, or how do we align with what they look to do, or how they see the organization going? Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, partnerships are key, and then what, when you, you know, identify, okay, these are the goals and objectives that you have to execute against. You know, someone has to do that work, um, and I can't be a one-person show. So that's where the aspect of teamwork definitely comes into play. Um, I have I am asking to work with resources that are not likely under our fold in the organization. They're external from our department, um, and that that takes a lot of um, crafting and collaboration 
um, open-mindedness, you know, flexibility. Those are those are very important things. Um, and it's not just in what I do. It's, it's what we do across the organization in any, I would think, any business. Um, well, you, so. but you, but look at what you said too. Like, look at you said you would in your organization or any business, and it's and it's crazy because like Johnson and Johnson is huge, and you know you said a hundred thousand employees. Uh, yeah, about almost two hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So think about how like how much teamwork, how much orchestration, how much people have to work together for a company that's on a global scale. And then the reason why I say that because like you know you'll talk to an individual, especially like. It say in music, you know, and I could relate to music because that's, you know, um, but or anything, you, you'll meet some people that swear that they can do all these things on their own. And especially this is a big thing for people that own their own businesses where they they feel overwhelmed or their thing is unsuccessful because they feel like they can they have a hard time letting other people do their job where then you have an organization that like where you're in, where it's like not only are you expected to do a great job and be a great team player, you also have to have trust in other people that they're uh, a great team player and they're good at their job. And then you have like, because how long has Johnson Johnson been around? As like probably like a hundred years, if not more. Yeah, um, hundred thirty plus years. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, I, I, and I just I, I find that just a to me it's a very interesting aspect. Because, you know, people every day pop up and say that they're entrepreneurs or they're small, but, you know, they say whatever. And and they think that uh, I'm going to do this thing and it's going to, you know, next year I'm going to be a millionaire and I like that. And Johnson & Johnson was built, like, over time, probably with one person, two people, and, you know, to this big company over 135 years. And it's like, you know, there's, like, there's something to be said about that and in the patience that it took. And, and you know, the patience that it took to, to build a company like that for, like, brand loyalty for somebody like you and other people, like, you got 15 years. There's probably people in there for, with 30 years. There's probably people in there for 50 years. Then there's a, there's a reason why they, they're there. Yeah, that reason is called the credo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that foundational document that literally is etched in stone in the corporate office, um, and it holds the the tenants of our organization together and, you know, um, is what we as employees um, or anyone actually who works there really, you know, embrace and, and, and bring, that's the forefront of the work that we do. Right. Mm. Um, So first and foremost, we're a business. So we, we recognize that, but the way that we recognize it is ensuring that we are putting, you know, the mother's, the fathers and, and the doctors and nurses first, right? So that that's that in itself is a huge leap um, uh, where some companies or businesses may struggle in understanding the human centricity of you know yep. of what they do, and and that's in anything. So to your point, right? Music. You've been rocking out in music for years. Uh, we've been friends for I don't know, like almost thirty years now, right? <laughs> I <told> you, right? <laughs> You've been music, music, music. But I know from who you are and your person, personability, right? And and connecting to music and how you not only embrace what you do, but I know there's a component in there that, in order for you to drive listeners, you know, you you with the human aspect 
right? That's what makes great music, personally. Um, <laughs> and uh-huh. I appreciate that because those are the types of artists that I look for and connect with on all levels and not just the point of, you know, how you're dropping a lyric on an album or, you know, if that beat sounds, you know, mad sick or whatever. There's a whole portfolio of things that, at least for me, that I look for in an individual when, I, when it comes to music or when I buy a product. You know, um, is this artist, for, in, for instance, and then I'll kind of bring it back to, you know, the, the consumer side, right? So is this artist, you know, what are they looking like on Instagram? What are they looking like on Facebook? What are their things that they follow? How do, you know, what are, their, what are they supporting? You know, it, it's kind of a holistic view for me as a consumer, right? So mm. when I kind of go back to work, and even though I'm not currently in the space, um, where I am, you know, tangibly touching product or executing, um, you know, the face, base, the front line for a customer, you know, but I, I have been in that space and I still work for that type of company, you know, those are the kinds of things that we want to make sure that we continue to remember are important in the forefront of our minds. If we don't, success is going to fall off, you know, um, and as much as we need to remain relevant, we still need to make sure we're doing that with the understanding of who our customer is and that human-centric component. You know, it's such the same, whether the business is big or small, it's such, um, it's it's the same thing. And it's so weird that people will be like, um, you know, have this aspect, oh, it's money, money, money. It's about them. And, you know, people actually, you know, even with music, you know, they'll think that, you know, the approach, like for me or something like that, because I'm about my business, it's about money, money, money. And it it could be the furthest thing for the truth. Like, you, it's just like, yo, just like in Johnson & Johnson or any other business, yes, the bottom line is the money because it keeps the lights on and it keeps going, you know, doing what you need to do. But when you're saying the thing is like how there's a human component and you're making sure on on that side, you know, that that that's being followed through or that's their, that's their, that's their credo in general. And I think that that's where a lot of things that that falls, especially in in rap music. I think this thing falls deaf on a lot of people where it is a human aspect. It's like people think it's about them or people think it's about like this, this sick beat or this, oh, it's, it's about me. And it's no, it really is with anything. It's about being of service to people. And that's how you create like the longevity, like delivering something good and being, how can you be of service? Because what, what do you do when the money dries out in 130 years? of doing business. Johnson & Johnson wasn't always up, just like any other business that has been around for 50 years, 20 years. You have your times that you're up, and you have your times that you're down. But during those times, it's like, you know, what are we doing this for? Because it ain't the money. And it's like, it is that, uh, you know, the human connection and, and being plugged into people. And, and you know. You, you said it best earlier in, re- in relation to, you know, um, teamwork and, and, you know, the, the relationship between being on a roller derby team, you know, working with huge teams, wherever, right? Um, you talked about the aspect of building trust, right? Um, and that's a, that's a component there that we, I think, many also kind of gloss over. Like, oh, you know, I'm going to put out this great product. It doesn't matter if they trust me or not, right? Mm. Trust it or not. But but it does matter because at the end of the day, if there's a level of trust there, then you know that, again, that human component 
because you know that that company or that entrepreneur or business partner are going to do the right thing by the individual group of individuals, right, that's supporting that, that thing, that product. Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, um, like when when you think about – you know, it was just like popped in and popped right out. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it does happen. It does happen. Um, so, you know, just really at the end of the day, like, oh, that's what I was thinking about. So it was the longevity piece, right? Yeah. Um, so when you're building that trust, it helps to also build a component of potential longevity. And yeah. that's the one thing that, you know, how you're recreating to, like, music, right? There are a lot of artists that are like, ah, oh, one-hit wonders, if you would, right? Or one-album wonders. They're like, what happened to them? Oh, because they didn't have that longevity, that component of longevity. They did what they thought was good for the times, but not what was, you know, exponentially thought out for the long term, you know? And that's, like, even back to good game playing, Right. If you kind of look at a single strategic move in um, an aspect of a bout, so that's what roller derby games are called. Or you know, if you took it by like by just a jam, and that's and you set your expectations solely on one jam. Like I'm gonna go out there and I'm just gonna do awesome during this one jam, and not think about the overall change components <laughs> of the of the game. You're foolish. Right. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I, mean, I don't mean to cut you off because I'm picturing the person just focus on that one thing and then they do that one thing and it's like, all right, all right you'll start celebrating like it's over. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the type of person who gets hurt, hurts others. Um, yeah. Isn't really aligned with, you know, the overall team strategy and, you know, that that piece of camaraderie that's very important, you know. So, and then at the end of the day, it's like, if you're foolish to do that, likely there may be others who are going to allow it on your team, and you may not be seen as a team that's going to last for long or strive for long. Right? You, you, and you, you lose you know, mm-hmm. No, my fault. Go ahead. My fault. Sorry. No, 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 no. Go right ahead. No, I, no, I was just thinking that um, that it, it's the kind of case where it's like, you know, you can have somebody that's exceptionally talented, and this is not just in sports or anything. This is, like, across the board in a business, in an organization. But people that are extremely talented, but just they just make a crappy team, you know, because yep. the the mindset is not there for, that, for the aspect of, like, longevity. So Exactly. You know. Exactly. So even, uh, you know, like the Avengers have to, you know, Avengers <laughs> have to come together. Right, no, it's it's, it's kind of that's that, that's what makes like say a group like you know like back in the, like Wu Tang or something like that, right? Because they, or like the Avengers or stuff like that, or in a band where it's like um you get the you know everybody has a special power and but when they come together it makes this great thing. It's the same thing of recruiting the right kind of talent for an organization because you're looking at your you know like or say something like like I said like Wu Tang. This thing is going to be around for a long long time. And on the customer side, they made it where the identifiable brand, you know what you're getting when you see the Wu-Tang symbols. Like you, um, 
It's kind of like Johnson & Johnson. You know what you're getting with Johnson & Johnson. So that's on the customer side. They built brand loyalty that they'll be able to go 100 years from now. There will be people that put a Wu-Tang thing, and they'll know what kind of music is coming out. And then it's the type of organization where it's like, uh, you know, yeah, you got these super talented people, super producers, super rappers, super all these things. But at the same time, they know, and it's very hard to do on a rap level. So uh, I cannot imagine on a business, it, it got to be even harder for a company such as where, where you're at, where it's 100,000 people, where it's like, you know, you got different personalities, you got different egos, you got, but there's one mission to be done. And it's, you know, it's very reminiscent of just like, it's like the military. It's basically like oh. the military. It's like you have, you have a mission to do. So you, you know, you, you're good at this, you're good at XYZ, but your job is to do this, everybody's job is to do this, and we move forward with the mission. And then it's like you can't really have, like, a, you know how, like, you see on TV, like, a military movie, and then you've got, like, a, a superhuman person that goes and he, like, shoots, like, a thousand people. and say, Like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't really, you know, you know, business in big or small really doesn't work like that. And, you know, and I just, like, I just find what you're doing interesting and in how it relates to, like, it, it, it relates, like I said, from the smallest person starting a business all the way up about, like, you know, developing the longevity with brand loyalty as well as, like, having the type of organization where, it's like, you, maybe you don't have to go and hit the street and recruit. Your organization looks so sweet that people actually want to come. Like, people come to J&J for jobs. J&J, I mean, they, I'm sure they go out to recruit people if they need to, but it, it's the type of thing that it's proven, and it's like the trust is there. So it's like, yo, I know that if I go here, you know, I'm going to be uh, a part of something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and don't get me wrong, we continue to strive to make sure that that is the case more often than not for those who want to come to J&J, &J, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, there's always um, refining, if you would, because the world changes. So with that change, we all have to be able to fluctuate to meet that change. Uh, and trust me, in, the, in a world of technology that is you know, ever changing each day. Um, yes. You know, getting getting things to market, getting things to our consumer is that's key. You know, um, and and how do we do that without losing the, the core values um, of that credo, right? And making sure that everything that we're doing is is for, in fact, the betterment of um, the people we serve in the communities um, wow. in which they live. So, you, you know, that leads me to, a, uh, I think, this, which is uh, an interesting question, too, because you said you've been there for 15 years, which means one or two things. You kind of either coasted for 15 years and you just got a job, but you don't sound like that. Like, there's people that can actually just coast and, you know, you sound like you've, you've moved around in the company, you've done different things. Like, a, a, am I right in saying that? Like, you're, like a, a steady climb up? So... Let me let me kind of reframe the question a bit, right? Um, okay. Where I would say I have definitely not coasted, right? Um, uh, but a steady climb up is is, however, it's visualized by some may not be how it is executed within the walls of, of our company, right? So I look at a climb in how I'm building, um, building my portfolio of knowledge, um, competencies, capabilities, 
those things are important. So over the past 15 years, I can say that I have grown exponentially in the space of leadership, um, in the space of collaboration, innovation, um, and those are important assets to have, right, and characteristics to have, especially as a, a business partner, at least in my opinion, um, where you're working with so many diverse individuals across the enterprise, right? Um, was that the case when I first stepped foot into the organization? No, I was just getting my footing. Um, I mean, let's be real. Would it be nice? to say that you have a certain title behind your name sometimes, but we also have to be understanding that sometimes those titles bring a lot more work that you didn't really think came with it, right? <laughs> so I look at it as I, over the past 15 years, have built an amazing portfolio and breadth of expertise that is not only leverageable within the company, but external to the company. And mm. I use that um, to my advantage to address various problems that I face, business problems that I face day to day. You know, um, someone who I would have connected with two years ago on a project, you know, and now two years later, we're talking about it at a global scale. You know, it's like, oh, let, let's, make those connection points. Let's, you know, talk about how we can move this needle forward. Because again, to your point, out of almost 200,000 people, <laughs> we're, we're, we're ready to make this move, you know, and to do something um, in, in, I think, a variable time of one to two years within a company as large as ours, that's pretty impressive, you know. Um, so I, uh, that's how I would answer your question, by saying um, I, I'm good. <laughs> well, and, and, and it's like I said, it's a def different definition, you know, for everybody, you know. Yeah. But the one thing when I say by moving, I guess by when I say moving up, I should say moving forward in a sense because, you know, the one thing that sucks at any place, and whether you're in business for yourself or in business somewhere else, it's to be somewhere for years and years and years, and, like, it's, like, the same. There's no growth. You're not learning anything. Like, more so than a, a bump in salary is the bump in knowledge. Like, yes. to, to be, you know, to be at a job for 15 years and be like, hey, that's why, you know, I was teasing a little bit. Like, oh, you put lotion in the bottles, but could you imagine? <laughs> like, I, I couldn't imagine that you were there for 15 years just putting, you know, like, I mean, those jobs, are, I, I don't, you know, I, I, well, I'm not knowledgeable enough to say if their jobs are you know, entirely gone. I know a lot of it's by robots, but I couldn't imagine a person in this day and age just, you know, sitting doing the same thing for the, you know, 15, 20 years and stuff like that. Like, we don't have to do that anymore. So that's kind of, I mean, about moving up, moving forward in a, in a sense. Um, I, I definitely have to give praise to, you know, the company in developing opportunities. Again, back to like that kind of change, right? So, how the world changes, the organization changes, and then with that change, you have to build new opportunities because you ultimately need new capabilities, right? So to your point in moving forward and gaining that knowledge, I think a lot of people tend not to, I'm not going to say a lot. I'm going to say, if I had to say one to 10, 
and what a percentage of the 10. I would probably say 80%, right? It's a pretty high percent. Or maybe 70%. I'll be kind or generous. But <laughs> 70% of people that I come across um, at times are looking for that next title mm. with, without the mindset of what it brings to them and to build that knowledge and capability, right? Yes. So it, because it is the paycheck, right? And And that's where they falter because when – if you're not – if you're not taking opportunities in what you're currently doing, and this is anything in life, you're unable to potentially leverage those capabilities that you built to strong, like those strong muscles, right? When you're in doing something different, like there are things that I do for the company that I do for volunteer work as an EMT, right? I wouldn't have been able to do that and vice versa, right? So I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not built that muscle, in the role that I was in because I felt it to be advantageous to do that. It didn't matter if I was making $15 an hour or $50 an hour. What mattered was what I was gaining out of that experience, right? So when they build new capabilities uh, within the organization, it's likely easier for an individual to move because of those capabilities that they've built, you know, rather than, oh, I had this title. Can you can you actually yeah. execute what we're asking you to execute? Right. You have that title, but we actually need to get some work done. So there's a awesome. lot of posturing. A lot of posturing. A lot of posturing. Yes. You know, and you know, and so I forgot that you're an EMC. Hold on, before I go there, you're like a modern day superhero, you know. I. <laughs> yeah. I don't find myself to be that. So, but. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's kind of overlooked because of the Avengers, you know, things like that make it hard. <laughs> but, you know, it's okay. Um, but, you know, before I ask you about that, though, um, you know, because you, you were saying about the opportunities, I wanted to ask you, like, as a woman, do you find, you know, because somebody will come into an organization and say there's not enough opportunities or there's no movement because I'm a woman, because I'm a woman of color. Well, I'm a person, like, for you, your personal experience, do you feel like the opportunities are there, or is it something that you create the opportunities? Like, how has that been in your your time? As much as you care to speak on it. Yeah, so um, it's not a tough question to answer. Um, it, it's a real question, and I thank you for, for asking it. So... <laughs> there's always a level of bias that comes from any circle you're in, right? And more often than not, what I have found as a black female and a gay black female at that is that much of that bias comes from our own circles um, mm. where we're pushing our own selves down. And I don't know if it's because we've, we've had it done to us um, in history so we feel that we need to continue to own that. But that's where you got to kind of make your own story, right? So have I had to break through barriers? Absolutely. But that's no different from anyone else in any other situation. Um, have I found that it has been hard for me to advance or, you know, uh, expand across or through the glass ceiling, right? Not for me. Because I'm kind of like in your face, right? So if it is, um, <laughs> it 
either going to be like so deep, like that I don't see it because I'm pretty smart, right? I'm like, oh, I see you wolf and sheep clothing mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? That I or I'm just not paying attention because I don't care, right? And and more likely it's the latter because I know what I'm doing is right. Um, and some people don't agree with that. You know, they, I think some folks, when I have these conversations, they're just like, but you need to. And I'm like, no, I don't need to do anything that stresses me out to a point where if I know strategically it's not going to get me ahead, why, why would I bother? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm going mm-hmm. to focus on the stuff that's going to move my needle. Yes. And, and, and in truth, is that always within the realm of my workspace? No. You know? But that's that's that whole connection piece, that collaboration piece, whether it's internal or external from the organization. I have the opportunity and have been honored to participate and join some of the most amazing collaborative events. I mean, this is one of them, right? You're like, uh, I'm like, sure. Uh, I'm with my boy. Like, I'm, I'm good. We can go way back. We'll, we'll chill, sure. You know, or the work that I do at Rutgers University, the work that I do, you know, um, for uh, Hedrick Martin Institute, uh, which came out of work that I'm doing with our employee research group within Johnson & Johnson. Um, You can't tell me you're not a superhero. (laughs) I'm not. There there are some people who are doing some truly amazing things out there far beyond what I'm doing. And all I I ask is that we keep applauding for each other, right, because it keeps up the Mm. momentum. Because sometimes we we do get those setbacks, right, where yeah. we're just like, oh, man. But it's really like how graciously you're willing to fail and then get back up, right? So it's fail fast, recover quickly. Yeah. And sometimes that recovery is really hard, but you got to do it. Because if you don't, then you're kind of going to be sitting on the sidelines of your own life. And, and that's not healthy. You, you know, I want to, you know, and I think this is you – I just did an interview with, um, it's a writer. I just put it out today. Uh, his name is Jeff. Uh, you get a chance mm-hmm. to check him out. But, you know, I found it, you know, it was, it was a great interview. And I'm bringing this up because he's a, gay, he's a gay black man. And he has, and I found him so interesting. I met him at a photo shoot like a year ago, every time that we talk. And he has no issues. He's, he's like, he's, He's manly in a sense, and but he, you know, he's he's gay. And then when you're when we're talking, and you're like, I'm a gay black female, and it's like, how is that? Like, especially you know, in a in a black community, or it's like that. Like, because these are things in the past that were so far. I know, like now, it's like it's becoming more and more of a thing. But being older and and being younger and having to go through and being older, like, is is that something that you ever had to be like? You know, because he, he was telling me about his come out story. So it's like, is that something that you you always knew or you had to hide it for a while? Or like, because now it's like you, you say it like, hey, you know, it's, it's nothing. And it's like, yeah, this, it doesn't I, I, uh, it doesn't define me. It's who I am. It doesn't define me. It's just like my name is Renee. OK, now let's move on. Yes. So um, just to call out a few things, right? It, it wasn't always easy. Um, mm. uh, because, like, identifying with yourself, regardless of who you are, straight, bi, queer, gender nonconforming, whatever the case, you know, in identifying and, and having self-love is is a journey in itself. And there are different layers to that. 
you know, and some of those things may or may not vibe with, you know, the society in which you're in, the the construct within your with which you're in, the institution, wherever, right? There's a, there's a mm-hmm. whole realm of things that we could talk about, but we're not going to today, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> did I did I have some struggles? Absolutely, on all three layers of being a female, being black, and being bisexual. Absolutely. So those are my own stories, though, right? And how I navigated through that is over time, I needed to find my comfort spot in myself and how I was interacting with others. Because at the end of the day, so the one other beautiful thing about J&J is they're all about bringing your authentic self to work, right? Mm. And the reason why that's important is simply because if you are not your authentic self within your life, again, I go back to the sideline piece. You're literally watching yourself not live your own life. That is so true. You're ultimately living a lie. So you got to be embracing of that. And with that, does it come, you know, backlash and, and, and hypocrisy and bias and all the isms or whatever what's out there? Absolutely. It's going to come because someone's got to be a sad sex Sally or a negative Nelly and don't want you to live. <laughs> but as long, as you, <laughs> as long as you recognize that they are not the ones who are the driver of your your life, right? Then you're taking the driver's seat and you're like, all right, you can get out of my car now, right? I don't know why I let you in in the first place. Then you're good to go. So I'm able to, uh, you know, today openly say, hey, this is who I am. Accept me, not accept me. Do you? I'm going to keep rocking, right? Um, But in the black community, and I'm pretty sure Jeff shared this with you, (laughs) it's an interesting dynamic. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's a story untold, right? Um, It's like, I love you, but I can't love that part of you. But we're oh, not going to talk about it, but I'm still going to love you, and you need to find Jesus. But if Jesus is not here, but when you do, but God still loves you, and I'm like, just make up your mind, because I'm not confused. You seem to be right. the confused person in this conversation. So it's really challenging, and, and I know that other communities share the same story, um, but I, I have to kind of laugh back because, you know, the black community is – is famous for, if anything, making comedy out of what is or what was someone's reality, right? So I can laugh about this. I can joke about it. But, you know, when you're living through it, that shit ain't fun, you know? (laughs) But you you know what? And and this is the thing, right? Because, like, now, as an adult, you're speaking about it. You're like, well, if you don't like it here, I'm going to drop you off here. You know, you know, metaphorically speaking. And so it's like, it's so, but for a child, like somebody that's 13, 14, you know, it's like when we're coming into or trying to come into our identity, like something like that can be, it's almost like soul crushing to not be accepted. And it's very hard for a kid that's, uh, I mean, like now I, I feel like it's becoming a little bit easier for these kids because it's like everywhere. Um, but oh. it's, it's, it's hard for younger, uh, younger kids to identify. Interestingly enough, I I would have thought 
that um, that would be the case, that it would be easier to have those conversations for the generation today. Um, but it's not, you say. It isn't, because I do a lot of work oh, wow. with the youth, and yeah. they're just more vocal about it um, uh, and more timely in, the, in their their concerns, which is, which is healthy, um, in my opinion. I mean, you don't ever want to see a child upset of the fact that they've either been removed from their home or had to move out of their home because their parents have literally, like, disown them or kick them out. You know, th- those are hard conversations, but they're real. But I think the difference is my generation, generations before me, it was not ever a spoken topic. And when it was, it was shut down, you know, yeah. um, and it was not ever to be spoke of again. And, and that's, that's the thing that caused a lot of concern or causes a lot of concern when you talk about, people being able to live their authentic lives and and, and, and to the fullest, right? You're literally just cutting someone's jugular when you do that, Mm -hmm. you know? And and that's not fair. Back to that human-centric piece, right? It's not fair. Um, And if we're all supposed to be godly individuals, then just accept people for who they are. And if you can't, then just keep it moving, you know? Um, So... No, I was just gonna say good people are good people, bad people are bad people. It's like yeah. you know, you know, based off of somebody's preference, you know, to to put them. I mean, it's just like based off of somebody's skin color. Is it the same based off of any of these things to put somebody and label them as evil or like you or you need Jesus? You know, like it's 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 on the point of uh, foolishness. You know, um, so. So I think what helps is, you know, um, getting out in front of individuals and and using corrective language, right? So um, changing the conversation um, in this, and that's internal to the LGBTQ community and external from the LGBT community, since we're talking about this particular topic, right? So um, orientation is um, the is the preferred term utilized of, of, of an individual of how they identify or identification, right? Um, pre- preference is like, oh, I'm going to put this sock on. Oh, uh, okay. Right, okay. right, right. So, you know, changing, okay. changing, you know, Educate how, me, we, girl. <laughs> how we uh, communicate with each other, you know, and it's no different from those who, you know, um, with pronouns, right? It's no different with pronouns. So, uh, from a physical appearance, individuals who would socially look at someone and say, oh, you know, Renee, she um, is a female or a woman, right? Unless you ask me, you don't know how I identify. Unless I tell you, you don't know how I identify. So we're being very presumptuous in um, how we perceive other individuals. And it really comes down to education, right, and and language. Um, it's no different. <laughs> well, I, I, okay, so granted these two are separate um, conversational topics, but I will use this as an analogy. In the black community, 
we used to use, or sometimes we still use the N word, right? And yeah. it, it's, I equate that to, to some extent of how the LGBTQ community uses queer, right? Um, some individuals within the community are embracing of it. Some are not simply because of the connotation that it has behind it because of general, uh, generalization, <laughs> generational awareness or things that have happened during that time period, right? So over a course of period of time, um, it will be deemed identified as acceptable or not acceptable. Personally, for me, the N-word will not ever be acceptable. <laughs> so um, it's, it's, again, you know, redefining things, how we look at our cultures, how we identify, and just being respectful of that. I, I guess the most important thing is that is to be open for the conversation and to yeah. listen, like, because it's like, you know, to be mad at, like, you take my supper as an example. Like, if I don't know the whole thing, you know, I don't, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm going, uh, the reason I say that, I'm going through it with my 13-year-old daughter, and she's, uh, this is where I started hearing words like gender nonconforming and all these different things like that. And if I'm, like, close to it, then I just push, you know, my, my thing on her. And then that's the same if I'm, if I'm talking to you or if I'm talking to anybody else. And I think that it's like, but at the same time, if you're coming from this space, um, to be patient with people, like, you know, I, I try to get my daughter, too, sometimes. Like, be patient with people like me, with me and other people. that Like, yo, it's like it's not coming out of malice if we say maybe the wrong thing or whatever like that. It's coming out of pure ignorance and then this, this education portion, like having these conversations and, you know, and the communication being open on both ends to get an yeah. understanding. You know, like approach it with love, a high level of understanding. That's basically it. And not, not yeah. going around pointing the pointing the finger at each other like you're wrong because of this and you're wrong like man and in truth you need the only way that an individual can do that um is a high knowledge of self right so mm -hmm. i can't have those kind of open conversations if i'm not truly centered within myself and have a knowledge higher than myself of thyself so it's it's much deeper than i think a lot of people really tend to understand and you know, sometimes I like to hug a tree too. So we're <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, she's like taking it to the hippie side of her, and I'm like, well, <laughs> you, you know, I, you know what, and, and you know, and I guess before we go, that's the one thing that I guess that's the one thing about being a human, being alive, is about is that you can have, you could be all these different things, like. Nobody said that you have to be this one way your whole life all the way through. You can you can add these different colors to your palette. Like you say, I want to be a tree hugger. I'm going to be roller derby. I'm an EMT. I'm this. I, you know what I'm saying? Like these, these all make you the great individual who you are. You know what I'm saying? And that's exactly. like for anybody. So there you have it, folks. That was my homegirl, Renee. She's over there getting busy on them skates. Getting busy as an EMT. Getting busy in life. And this is life with Uni B Soul. Make sure you share with a friend. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Or hit the direct link. Podcast.unibsoulmc.com Share, share, share. I think that's also on YouTube as well, you know. 
Let me know who you want me to talk to. You know I'm with it. Oh, and don't forget to check it out. Uni live at 9. I'm streaming live on FB Live every Monday at 9. We're going to see how that goes. Feedback we get. So we're going to keep this thing rolling. You know, talk to these powerful women. I, I think I, I think what I'm going to do is, uh, I think I'm going to have this go through the whole summer. The whole summer. You know what I'm saying? Watch these ladies shine. So until next time. Stay fly. Not one for the nonsense To make it perfectly obvious I'm here to get my pockets I'm overload, heavyweight mode Don't care who's watching Spinning my gold, kicking my flow Get them speakers knocking Fight your way about that ghetto With limited options Hit your hands up for this dough Modern day robbing Hoodie hood fella got the groove backs rocking LA driver in the front seat Blow through your city bopping Liddy with the buzz homes When your album dropping I'll be sure to like everything you do But I won't be capping Arrested development You speak back to me when you not popping Respect to the brothers like you Who stayed on the lock-in Up the sideline and on the chime in Observing, getting nervous Asking for a hand Yo's in the dirt, you working Couple of snaps Few hashtags, I told the world we deserve it You keep on showing them how it's done I'll be here front and lurking Sometimes you just gotta be like Oh, shit And just roll up with something in the air, man They gonna watch your moves regardless Keep doing what you do Thank you.